0: Today's show is something a little different from those that I've done before. It's a roundtable, and I have done roundtables on the show before with a couple of self-defense coaches at a time, but today's show is an entire group of extraordinary self-defense coaches who came together as part of the very first foundational training course of the 500 Rising program. 500 Rising Is something that you will be familiar with if you have been listening to the show since the very beginning, because Tammy Yard-McCracken, who is the founder of 500 Rising, was my very first interview on the show back in September of 2019. The goal of the 500 Rising movement is to change the statistics of violence against women by giving women the physical and psychological preventative and defensive strategies and tools that they need. When a high percentage of women have the skills that they need, perpetrators will no longer be able to assume that the majority of women are low risk targets. And that is when the statistics will change. So, in this conversation today, we talk about what the training event was about, who the participants were, and what they were hoping to get out of it, and some great insights and suggestions from each of them about both being a self-defense coach and also steps that women can take if they want to learn and they want to enhance their safety. So it is a robust, interesting, and wide-ranging conversation. It's a long episode, so feel free to break it up into a couple of listening sessions But every minute is worth listening to. So here we go.
1: Welcome
2: to the Born to be a Badass podcast, the show that tackles the subject of women and violence head-on and shines the light on what women need to know and do to be safe. Here's your host, fourth-degree black belt and self-protection expert, Cynthia Jolicoeur-Rude.
0: Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Jolicoeur-Rude. And today, we have something absolutely amazing happening, and I am so stoked that we were able to get this all together. I have an amazing roundtable with a group of phenomenal self-defense coaches who are here to share their experience about a recent training event. And to introduce that and sort of set the context, I am going to ask Tammy Yard-McCracken to talk a little bit about who she is and what this training is and why it came about. And you will probably remember Tammy because she was my very first solo interview many, many months ago. So welcome to the show, everybody, and welcome Tammy. Want to take it away? Thanks, Cynthia. Just a
3: a quick recap. If people heard that first interview, they've heard everything they need to know about me at this point. But I, I am by martial arts background, a Krav Maga instructor and own a training center in Northern Virginia. And through the process of all of those years of training and teaching and looking for better ways to reach women and better ways to deliver Valid self-defense training, and not just martial arts training, but also things that we were basically big gaping holes in the industry, even in the self-defense industry, more specifically. And a prodding from Allison DiRienzo, who, who's apparently whose mission in life it is to make me do (laughs) things—that's her thing. Um, But as a result of a a rant that I can keep my mouth shut about a couple years ago. And my involvement in the self-defense industry and and my friendship with Allie DiRienzo, the conversation came up that we should actually do something about the awareness about the information that's missing, awareness about the training that's missing, and that we should find a way to fix that instead of just complaining about it. So that was Allison's poker in my backside to get me going the rest of my background professionally, I'm a licensed psychotherapist and did a lot of work in the trauma recovery industry for a very long time, which is kind of what got me started in all of this anyway, was that sense of recovery is absolutely critical and having good recovery therapists out there in the industry is critical. And it should be, we should be doing more to reduce the numbers of people who end up on the other side of the couch. So that's kind of how all this the big juggernaut got started.
0: So that's a great introduction. Can you talk a little bit about the recent training event that was held in Minnesota?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So with all things pandemic right now, everything's been a little bit uh, constant shifting gears and moving targets. We had originally had a the first instructional foundations in women's self-defense course slated for May, sponsored by Moundsview Police Department, which is outside of Minneapolis-St. Paul, and we had to shift it to June. And the, that's important to say because the expectation was, with everything going on, that we might have everybody just bang out and be like, yeah, I just I can't manage it right now. And so the people who are here in this roundtable are people who pulled out all the stops and put their butts on planes and traveled in a time that was a little bit iffy, right? Just in life in general, and we're committed enough to make it happen. So it wasn't just that we put the date on the schedule. It was that people also were equally committed to, to move life in a way that they needed to, to be present. So the course is the, is the first course in a, you know, what will be a process. And we had a great time and a bunch of really, really art people who decided to join us for that event and share their thoughts and ideas and their questions and poking sticks at the the holes in the industry. And we focused on filling those holes by fundamentally, there were some physical skills and a lot of academic conversation, but the fundamental approach was to address the Imbalance in training and self defense in this particular instructional foundations course, meaning that most of the physical skills and prevention skills that are out there focus on the 15 to 20 percent statistic of violence against women, which is that stranger, somebody's catching you off guard that you don't know, dynamic. Whereas the reality of the stats tell us somewhere between 75 by individuals that are known to her, which changes the game 100% when it comes to. As well as the physical side. So that was the fundamental focus of our our goal with the instructional foundations course was to address that from a material standpoint, a physical skill standpoint, from a principal standpoint, and then to generate conversation with everybody to also dig a little deeper, but what else do we need to do? So that was the sort of in a nutshell, you know, basically four days worth of material reduced down to about what was that, 90 seconds? <laughs>
0: That's a lot of material to cover, and I'm sure that there was a lot of preparation involved as well. How did people prepare, or did they just show up, like, ready to go?
3: So because of the pandemic, we had to reduce the number of days we were doing in person to make sure that staffing requirements would be met at the police department that was sponsoring it, because they were putting basically three officers, or a KZ who's here as well as to their female officers. And so it was because of all the pandemic stuff, they were like, hey, we're not going to be able to release all three of these guys for four days of training. And so I, you know, things that I say before I think it's like, well, hey, if we reduce it to three, can we do that? And they're like, yeah, we can totally free them free them up for three days, which meant I had to figure out how to get a day's worth of material online ahead of time so people could get through it all. So the prep work was Uh, basically days worth of going through some recorded material on the prevention side of the house. And then we had some reading material that we put out ahead of time that was encouraged for people to have an opportunity to dig into. And so when people showed up for that first in-person day, they honestly already probably put in a, a good solid two days worth of education before they ever got there.
0: Wow, that's that's quite a commitment on the part of everybody that showed up. So I would like to hop over to Allison and have her introduce herself (laughs) and talk a little bit about what her background is and what motivated her to come to the training and also why she was giving you that little poke in the butt to get this going.
4: First, okay, Um, no pressure to follow Tammy or anything. Um, So hi, everyone. I'm Allison DiRenzo, and I train in the Boston area. My husband actually owns a martial arts school in the Natick area. So the privilege and advantage of getting access to some phenomenal training, including um, seminars where I have met several of the people that are on (laughs) this roundtable call um, and where I was able to meet um, Tammy and Casey Kekheisen Uh, through Violence Dynamics and be able to get involved at another level and share my resources and skills, which in addition to just passion, of course, for training and instructing, I own a digital agency in the Boston area. And I also serve on the board of directors for several women's groups. So I'm very passionate about the combination of bringing together information access, like in my digital life, um, passion training and uh, for training, and then, bringing that access to women and empowering women, so that's definitely what drew me to the training and I think tammy's rant in particular, that was really i guess what kind of made me call her out or made me ask her to you know step up to the plate is at the time the conversation was around the hashtag um, me too movement, and it was really i think eye opening to see so many women sharing their stories and sharing you know, things that have happened to them, but there was just this empty space. It felt like for a lot of women of like, where does this go from here? Is it just a hashtag? How does it become more than a hashtag? And I know that Tammy is the kind of person um, that could do that. I mean, I've never met a person who didn't say like, Tammy's maybe the best instructor they've ever taken a classroom. So I know that if anyone could do it, it would be
0: hard. So with me. thank you for having me. Awesome. Oh, I'm I'm glad you're here. That was awesome. Let's hop over to Casey. Gotta say, Casey, you have the honor and the privilege of being the very first male guest on the show. So, welcome to the show, Casey.
5: Cool. Well, thank you for that uh, honor and privilege. Uh, I also had the honor of being the first and only male participant in uh, the course that brought us all together which I was reminded of on a regular basis.
0: (laughs) Perhaps if you can share a little bit about what your background is and what your connection is into this 500 Rising group and movement, and then uh, why you actually participated in the training. That'd be awesome.
5: Sure. Uh, So I'll try and knock those out in order. So my background is I'm a police officer in Mountain Zo, Minnesota, which is just outside the Minneapolis St. Paul area. I am also uh the executive officer of uh the tactical team for that county. I've been trading in martial arts for pushing 25 years now, if you see the the gray uh in my beard. And through martial arts is kind of where I met uh Tammy at uh violence dynamics and then um recruited her in to be part of violence dynamics. And so I got to be kind of in the background for conversations or be uh, tertiary to conversations between Allie and, uh, Tammy. And it kind of put me in a position of, yes, this is definitely necessary. Um, this is not the face that's going to get that done uh if that if that is something that would have happened it could it would have had, this this wouldn't be necessary now right it's not like uh this information it like poof oh geez, we need this right now it's it's uh decades right of uh of the statistics that we're facing, so I tried to put on my uh what how can i be most useful at how can i uh help things out and for at least this incarnation of it what was the most useful thing I could do was To use connections through the law enforcement to uh, set this course up to be uh, post-accredited. So uh, law enforcement officers, corrections officers could get continuing education credit for it because I guess with my hook into the, uh, you know, Allison talked about her passion, my hook into the passion of this is to get this to the people that need it the most, right? And so I think that's Law enforcement, especially now, is looking for more and better uh, community outreach programs. And without being a prick, there's plenty of ridiculous community outreach programs that don't achieve anything, right? They, so you can have you can only have so many shops with the cops, and coffee with the cops, and ice with the cops, and we're still going to burn police cruisers. Right? It does. It's not. It's not increasing the relationship with the community, and it's not reducing crime statistics at all. So I figured, hey, uh, I'm passionate about this. i have hooked into people that are really good at this. How can I get this out to uh, the people that need this the most? And maybe we'll talk about this further. And maybe and when Kelly can talk about this further as uh, Team Minnesota Super Force has been uh, letting the gears turn since that uh, course happened. But uh, I wanted to put together... Uh, a variation of a first Friday's course, right? And so there's other people here that have first Friday's courses in their, in their particular schools, but I wanted that run by the police departments and I want it because again, I'm preaching to the choir here, but there how many times have there been a women's self-defense course, but it's not a women's self-defense course. It's sensei needs to pay rent next month. And I need a new, I need a new hook. I need a new demographic. And if I can get some gals to open up their purse to learn, uh, ABC Taekwondo or John Smith's judo school, well then I can pay the rent, right? But that's it's not that's just judo or taekwondo. It's not really addressing the needs of that we talked about in this course. Well I wanted to put something together that not for profit is not attached to any particular school, but it's a community outreach program through law enforcement for the people of the community with we don't want anything else from you, right? You don't have to come back and buy a gi. You don't have to put a bumper sticker on your car. Uh, if you like to, some training, this is something we can do, right? So that was kind of what I wanted going into this. So if I'm if I'm going to put my name on this, I want I want a legit program, right? I can't I can't just I can't just be Casey's cop judo for ladies, right? So watching Tammy put this curriculum together and uh, it was fantastic. And then it gave me an opportunity because I helped put this together and ran the logistics to go through the course.
0: Awesome. Yeah, you made some really, really good distinctions there about why it's so important for women to be teaching this kind of stuff and also the distinction between martial arts and real world self-defense. And those are two things I want to dig in as we have more of the conversation. So thanks, thanks for setting up that whole framework. Let's go to, let's see, I'm looking at my screen. How about Lisa Carter? And if you can introduce yourself and just share a little bit about your background and what motivated you to come to the course, that'd be great.
2: So I feel like I was kind of like the civilian plant in this course, uh, because I have like, I wouldn't say zero experience because I've known Casey long enough and Played on the mats a little bit, way long time ago. You can't see my greys because I dyed them, but um, <laughs> but I really don't have any training experience. I'm not like an instructor that was learning, but I came across. Um, I followed balance dynamics for a long time, which has uh, been out there for a while, and I've been following Tammy's stuff online. And I came across Kelly and just kind of found out this was happening and so i had messaged tammy i was like i mean i feel like i'm not sure if i'm qualified and she was like no come on down let's do this and i was like perfect and just kind of threw myself in with the wolves i guess and um it was a really eye opening experience for me um which was super super cool and everybody that was there was just amazing people that are going to change the world which is amazing to be a part of that as well but as also not having all of the background, it was nice that everything was easy to understand. And it was stuff that I could really remember. It wasn't like this overwhelming, like even with the two days of studying, it was stuff that was the way she put it together and the way it was put out there um, was a good flow. And it was really easy to understand what we're looking for. And it was just, um, again, like, For me, it was super easy to absorb the information, even though I still feel like I'm absorbing some of it, which was really, really cool and really makes it feel like this is something that can be put out there and people can understand. And like Casey was saying, you know, you don't have to come 17 times to get a little bit of good information and especially... If you're that person that you have somebody that you know that you are worried about and you are just trying to have something in your back pocket to be helpful, you probably aren't going to be necessarily going somewhere
1: 17 times
2: over the next two months. Um, So I feel like if you're really hitting that type of demographic as well, it's going to make it maybe a little more approachable for that type of person. So um, that was kind of my takeaway after being there and just kind of experiencing everything and really feeling that I did actually take some really good information away that I could utilize without having all of the training in the background.
0: That's really fascinating. I I think that that's such a great testament to the quality of the curriculum and that part of the goal right is for any woman to be able to do this and learn this and also to be able to turn around and share what she's learned and motivate other women to come and learn. And so it sounds as though for you that was an extremely effective demonstration of it. And also that you you were saying that most women aren't going to go and spend years going to class after class after class to become a master at something. And that's the old martial arts model, right? And for a long, long time, this is something that uh, Tony Blauer has talked about is that if you come to a really good fundamentals program that's based on human behavior and physiology and psychology and physics it sticks with you it's like when the lights turn on they stay on they don't they're not something where you have to keep turning them on over and over and over and over again and you can obviously follow up with more training if you're motivated to do that and and improve the depth and the breadth of your skills and everything but uh it's not absolutely necessary if all you can do is one thing so again that's just a really cool testimony to the, to this kind of training that you can come and as a relatively inexperienced person, get so much out of it that you are safer. That's really cool. Thank you, Lisa. Let's go to Sheena.
1: Hi, thanks for uh, having me. (laughs) Uh, I'm Sheena Williams and my background is working private security uh, I did that for several years, working with law enforcement in one of the busiest emergency rooms in the US, uh, I then moved on to owning my own self-defense school, uh, which I've been doing now for nearly eight years, even through all this fun COVID stuff. I was brought to the training, which was just remarkable training for a couple of different reasons. I've obviously followed uh, Rory Miller and the whole violence dynamic team for a long time. I had the opportunity to interview Tammy, who was somebody I had followed for a long time as well, um, kind of when this all started. And I had actually been motivated and and moved by the post that she's talking about that kind of inspired this whole program because uh, it just really rang true to me, and it was something it it just resonated. I I was in full full agreement and on board from the beginning. So as soon as this was available, I cleared my schedule and made sure that I was going to get there as quickly as I can. So, um, and, um, and it was just amazing. Some of the stuff that I took away that I'm already implementing and have been implementing since I came back is some of the stuff we talked about. Um, you know, I've been uh, in martial arts now for nearly a decade, um, and there's a lot of places that talk about being principle-based uh, or technique-based. And the way that w- this program specifically changes the way we talk about principles, it's a whole different mindset than what uh, traditional martial artists would think or uh, somebody else. It's really an easy concept to grasp, and once you understand those basic principles, then we can clean it up with different techniques and make you stronger and you know a better decision maker in the process. Depending on that use of force, uh, which is fantastic. Another thing that really stood out to me is that so many places refer to themselves as reality-based, and as reality-based as this training is, it's not just reality-based. It's also backed by science and data-driven, and that's where it's really truthfully reality-based. I've dealt with a lot of. Um, instructors who want to teach you know the, this technique for that attack and when we talk about teaching one technique for one attack we're really narrowing in and instead when we talk about different principles we give the decision making and uh, open up kind of the door to different attacks and, and different ways to respond to that um, so just really impressed with the program in general uh, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there especially on places like Facebook and Instagram and that kind of stuff um, and I think it was great to get all these different minds with all these different backgrounds together and talking and having a good conversation.
0: That's great. You really highlighted a whole bunch of really important pieces there, including you know what true reality-based self-defense is. It's something that's kind of become a, a popular phrase, but it isn't necessarily backed up by things that are real. And anything that's based on science and on data has a much better shot of actually being Usable out in the real world rather than things that just sound cool or look cool.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And as somebody who's unfortunately had to deal with violence, I've been in altercations. Sometimes I go to training and in the back of my mind, I'm running through scenarios I've dealt with and, you know, trying to make the assessment is this something that I would actually use in one of those situations? And I can tell you absolutely 100% everything that was shown and taught is absolutely stuff, not only that I have used in a violent encounter. would also say works in that violin counter.
0: That's great. Thank you, Sheena. Let's go to Tia.
6: Hi, everyone. So my husband and I opened up Rock Hill Martial Arts right before the pandemic, which wasn't great timing, but we are hoping to get started up again soon. Um, I'm Tia Keck, by the way. I have been doing self-defense training seminars uh, since 2010, and that's how I met Allie and Tammy. And when I heard about this program, I was very interested because I know that they're both meticulous and organized and able to make things happen, and so I definitely wanted to be on board. Um, In addition to teaching martial arts, uh, I wanted to make sure that we had a really good program for our community of girls and young women. Uh, We see this over and over where... um, you know, girls. We just don't teach them about violence and what they can expect in their lives to encounter. And then when they are face to face with this, um, they don't know how to react and they're not prepared for it. And then on top of that, in society, they're judged really harshly for not behaving or responding the way that we, you know, we think that they should have responded. So, you know, why didn't you kick? why didn't you hit back? And, you know, we know as as self-defense professionals that there's a lot going on, you know, there are freeze responses, there's social conditioning. And so I wanted to get on board with this group to figure out the best way to coach these girls and young women so that when they are face-to-face in these encounters that they can can be familiar with it and actually be safer. So, you know, I knew that Tammy and Allie were going to put something together that um, didn't just make women feel safer, but actually make them be safer.
0: That is great, and it is so true that young women don't generally grow up with any kind of instruction or insight at all into what the potential dangers out in the world are and how to deal with them. And that that's actually what got me started out on my journey was I had no clue. And when I was in my early twenties, I got robbed at gunpoint, you know, down a dark alley late at night. And realize, like I had no idea, a that there were people that would do that and be what I could have done in that situation. And that's uh, you know, part of why I do what I do now is because I think that all of us, you know, we need to learn this as just a normal part of growing up. Because we learn how to cross the street and we learn how to do CPR and how to swim in a pool. And you know, why are we not learning about what's out there in the world and how we can keep ourselves safe? So, yeah, I'm really, really happy that you brought all of that up. Let's move to Kelly. Well, thanks for having me on, Cynthia.
7: So, Kelly Sayre, I own the Diamond Arrow Group. I focus on teaching that situational awareness piece, the pre-threat indicators, reading body language, communicating uh, your boundaries and enforcing your boundaries. And when I started on my journey with my business three years ago, I had only taken one self-defense class. And all they did was the hitting and kicking and blocking and punching, which was fun. I enjoyed that part. Um, But the big piece they, they said at the end that really struck me was, but you need to be more aware of your surroundings because you want to avoid a situation, a potentially physical situation, because more than likely you're going to be attacked by a male who is just more than likely going to be stronger than you. So if you can avoid even getting into a physical altercation, that's what you should do. But they didn't say, well, what does that mean? What am I looking for? How, you know, What does that mean for me and what can I do to do that? And when I started my journey of reaching out and doing informational interviews with self-defense instructors or whoever, I could basically get on the phone and I'd say, okay, this is all great. They'd agree, yes, that we need to help women understand how to, to avoid it, to, to talk in non-tactical terms. You know, there's lots of training for law, law enforcement, in the military, but how do we talk to the average, everyday woman who's walking down the street who maybe has kids with her and so being completely aware of her surroundings 100% of the time is n- impossible when you have kids who every five minutes need your attention for this or want you to look this or want you, you know, have a question. Um so how can we give that realistic advice? And I said, yeah, that's what I want to do. Where can I go to get training? And they were all like, mm. they they had nothing. They're like, well, there really isn't anything out there. And so, you know, I resorted to trying to read books and be kind of the conduit between that those tactical trainings and what would make sense for the average everyday woman. And through that, started making connections, got introduced to Cynthia and Lisa and some other fantastic people who then introduced me to the Violence Dynamics crew, went and took that training last fall and met Tammy there and and got to meet Cynthia and Lisa in person and exactly what they were talking about and Casey too. Yes, I got to meet Casey too. (laughs) Um, and that's where it was like that itch was scratched you could say of like wait there's people out there talking about that real world violence what really happened and how it's not the stranger danger it's not the scary man jumping out of the bushes necessarily it could be somebody who we think that loves us you know or is supposed to love us or it could be a family member that okay when you say just take those toxic people out of your life if it's uncle joe and everybody else loves him but he's always made you feel creepy how do you deal with that and nobody wanted to touch that cuz that gets icky and complicated and emotional and so when the 500 rising training was announced i i was all in like i couldn't wait to go so i really appreciated all the work that went into making it happen with all of the challenges and obstacles so for me it was like well they did all of this there's no way in hell, that I'm going to miss this training. And it was great. It, I didn't want it to end. I wanted to have another full day of just roundtable discussions and talking. So I'm really glad you put this together, Cynthia, because this is a phenomenal training that I can't wait to continue learning more about and going deeper on these subjects and really saying, okay, it's not just about setting your boundaries, but how do you enforce them? How do you verbally you know, articulate what happened, why someone made you feel uncomfortable, the things you did, the steps you took to try and get away or to get to safety, and so that other people can help you. And so that I'm just really excited to see all the things that are coming with this training. And you know, when's the next class? When, when can I do this again? And Casey mentioned you know wanting to do that first Friday Women's Self Defense. I'm really excited to have so many team. People here in Minnesota, Lisa, Emmy, that we can get together and say, "Okay, how can we make this more accessible for more women, and, and really start that ball rolling of getting those 500, you know, people that start it and start spreading the word, and that it grows and grows and grows." So it it lines up with Tammy's original passion and mission for this.
0: Oh, that's great, and you know, you you really highlight something important, which is that in the world. A lot of people, when they hear the term self-defense, instantly go to the physical fighting, right? That's, that's the cool thing. And that's what most quote, self-defense classes are. And that's one of the things that makes this so different is that it covers the mental, emotional, psychological aspects and really understanding who you're dealing with and what the dynamics are of interactions. And I think that's really important to know that there are people like us who teach that stuff.
7: Well, and I think the fact that it works, you know, is so often, I think in women's heads, they think, oh, we have to learn how to hit. We have to learn how to kick. And then not even realize. So that's what just automatically we need that physical piece. And it's like, well, actually, we can do all of these other things and you could potentially avoid it. And again, we don't talk about that because you don't talk about the dangers you avoided. You don't talk about, hey, I walked down the street safely today because <laughs> you, that's not a non issue. You know, we only tell when we're attacked. So, how do we how do we tell women like hey there's things you can do and guess what these are skills you already have yes like it's you don't need 20 years of martial arts experience not that there's anything wrong with that but hey you you know average everyday woman who maybe woke up and and had a freaky thing but their instinct said something was wrong but they don't know how to talk about it or verbalize it is, is helping them and saying, well, here, this simple daily habit that you could start doing right now is going to make a big difference.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's go to Amy.
8: So I'm Amy Stewart Cooper, and I'm in Boise, Idaho. I've been training in the martial arts off and on for about 25 years, but it's been off and on. So if you add it up all the time, it's maybe eight to 10 years. I've been teaching women's self-defense for about a year now. And, oh, I've been going to self-defense seminars for uh, for three years, and that's where I met uh, Lisa Abbott. It was that one of Rory Miller's seminars? And they talked me into going to Violence Dynamics uh, a couple of years ago, where I met Casey and, and Tammy. So I jumped at the chance to come to the, to the training, the 500 Rising training. Uh, because I have only been teaching about a year or so, and there's just so much more I need to to learn. I mean, nobody knows at all. Anyway, there's always stuff to learn. It's continuing education, but I just really jumped. I just needed this information and, and really wanted this information. And as Tammy was saying, it was really hard for each one of us to get there, especially those of us who had to fly. I own a restaurant, and as you can imagine, this is a really difficult time to own a restaurant. I didn't even know I could go until nine days before and um, I'm I'm thrilled that I was able to go. And one of the things that I found the most valuable on top of all the information and everything is the camaraderie that we all had in the classes and just the socializing also during lunch and, and going out to dinner and things, everybody supporting each other since then online has just been super valuable. And um, even during the classes themselves, because I, because I came up through the traditional martial arts and, you know, it's so male-dominated and having, you know, me talking about my experiences, oh, this happened to me once and this is what I did, and having the male instructor say, oh, well, you defended yourself wrong. And I'm like, but I but I, I won. I fought the guy off. And it was like, well, but you fought him off incorrectly. You should have done this. And I'm like, oh, my God. And to have that not happen during the class, to have everybody say, yeah, that that was really good. And to also, you know, the whole, the whole wrist grab thing to have so many male martial artists say, well, nobody, you know, grabs wrists anymore. That comes from sword. And I'm like, happened to me all the time when I was younger and and dating and, you know, a guy would grab my wrist and, and try to hold me there. And, um, you know, it's a way to intimidate me, and this is this is what I did. And they're like, well, that never happens. You're you're the only person in the world that's ever happened to. And then to have the other women here say, no, that happened to me too, or that happened to a student of mine or my friend, is, to have that camaraderie and that validation was just amazing and and empowering. And um, immediately upon coming back, I you know I I started for my self defense company. And Instagram before I was on Facebook, but now I'm on Instagram and and now I have a blog because I just have all this information and all this, I was obviously passionate before, but even more so, all this information I need to share. And the whole experience from start to, to end and continuing has just been amazing.
0: That's great. It is very good. It's a great feeling. And you realize that you're not alone and that there are other people that share the same sort of worldview and the same kind of heart space and similar experiences too. That's really powerful. And that's, I think, one of the great things about the whole 500 Rising mission is for women to realize that they're not alone and that there is some strength in coming together and sharing experiences and in learning together. So I, thank you for, for sharing all of that. And it is funny, you, you mentioned the wrist grabs. You know, I, I have heard the same thing. You know, a lot of guys are like, oh, I never do wrist release. You know, nobody ever is going to grab my wrist. And I remember, you know, 20 plus years of training doing wrist releases and saying like, what you're teaching me, I mean, number one, you're saying that there's no point in learning it because nobody ever does it to you. But then you're teaching me a way to get out of it if it were to happen. And it's something that I can't do because I have teeny weeny itty bitty little tiny wrists and pretty much any dude that ever grabs me by the wrist, their fingers go one and a half times around my wrist. And so this whole find the gap in the, in the grip and go out of that gap is just nonsense because there is no gap when somebody grabs me by the wrist. So, you know, it's, it's been frustrating to realize on many levels that something as simple as that can be misunderstood and taught in a way that isn't valuable or useful if it's done by people who have never actually experienced it. So thank you for highlighting that. That that was really a great example. Let's move to Maggie.
9: So I'm Maggie, also known as Emmy, and I am and have been in the corrections field for the last 14 years here in August. Uh, As an officer, seven of those years, and then the past probably nine years, I've been training self-defense with a lot of our officers there. And that's kind of where I started to realize there's there's a gap in how the women who come to our self-defense class, even as correctional officers and other staff, don't quite seem to feel like they can take up space. It's okay to not only be aggressive but it's also okay to feel like a woman and it's okay to have the mindset of a fighter. And when I think of things like that, and I, I was so grateful when Kelly reached out to me and told me about this amazing training opportunity that like, you've got to go, you're going to love every second of it. And she was not wrong. There was not one moment during those three days that I didn't learn something felt inner and outer strength felt empowered, felt supported, and just to be surrounded by women and Casey in a space that allowed us to explore how our bodies moved without force, but just how they moved, that it was okay to be in the background kind of practicing your moves and the different types of learning styles that we all had and to walk away just feeling like this is what everyone should be able to do, but more than anything, it's what everyone can do. Women are very capable in 500 Rising to walk away feeling empowered and strengthened. And will you learn some skills? Maybe, but more so you're going to learn that it's okay for you to take up space. It's okay to feel empowered and it's okay to support one another in a learning environment out in the community that we can all be bigger, stronger, better human beings all around.
0: Wow. I love it. I love it. That's, that's an awesome framework to look at it. And you're right. I mean, that's what every woman has the right to experience. And that's part of the goal of doing this kind of work is to allow women to tap into that and have that experience sometimes for the very first time. So thank you. All right, last but not least, Lisa. Lisa Abbott, Lisa. The Lisa who has not spoken yet.
10: <laughs> oh, last but not least. Um, my name's Lisa Abbott, and my business is Subtle Warrior Self Defense. I'm located in northeastern Nevada, nowhere near anything. And um, so I, when I teach, I travel to, to teach seminars and stuff. So I you know, I was on board with this this whole thing when it started manifesting with with Allie poking at Tammy because it's such a needed aspect for, for all of us. Um the training is a chance to get to be a part of something that, that uh that is fundamentally specific for women and their safety from from the perspective that we live in every day that that you know there's been some great guys to train with and they know that it's different for us and those those ones that are open minded really literally push us in the direction to get this started which is great you know it's not just the the conscious upfront stuff that 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 we are confronted with all the time but it's that subconscious and the unconscious things that that we do naturally that has kept us safe or or that we've learned to do to keep ourselves safe you know every day from from the time we're little, just because of our environments, um, good, bad, or indifferent, that's just how, you know, we as women have adapted and and uh, gotten to the, be to the point where we, where we are as far as, you know, growing up and knowing these different things. So just this whole training was something I looked forward to just because it did cover all that other aspect that's so important for, for every single female, women, those who identify all that different stuff to be able to go out and, and live, you know, more confidently. And it is backed by science and, and data. And that 85, 75 to 85% is, is really icky stuff to cover, but it's, it's what we can all relate to. Cause it's just that little stuff in the, in the background that runs that we, we know of, but to be able to have the languaging and, and get that out there to the ladies in a way that they can figure out, yeah, you know, this is why I I felt or, or, you know, somehow knew this was happening or how I, you know, can relate to those little things that you just can't verbalize sometimes to different people, to, to people who don't really get that part. Even though they understand it, they just don't get it. I think it's all in the languaging and being able to get that out there to the ladies to, to realize that, yeah, you already know this stuff. And here's, let us dig deeper on, on getting you more a comprehension on why we know this stuff and how it can help you even
0: better. Awesome. Yeah. It, it's interesting that you went to the area of languaging and like how you frame things, because that is one of my questions that I, I want to throw out to the group. Because it really, that's one of the things that I had to struggle with when I first started teaching, was affiliated with an organization that is very much influenced by law enforcement and military. so the languaging and the imagery and, you know, the approach was very much dominated by those law enforcement and military kinds of things. And and I just struggled with it for a long time because I felt like I was a fraud because that wasn't my background. But I also felt like it wasn't something that most ordinary women would relate to. And so I ended up going, well, actually, I can talk about the same concepts and things, but I need to change the languaging because most women don't relate to it. Um, So for example, Coach Blower has a great course called Be Your Own Bodyguard. And tons of people go through that program, men and women both, and just have great results. And it's absolutely an amazing course. And I've gotten to do it a couple of times. But I couldn't turn around and say, okay, I want to teach a Be Your Own Bodyguard course. I mean, number one, he's got that phrase kind of associated with his brand. But number two, most women were like, I don't want to be a fucking bodyguard. (laughs) Like that's that's not what I'm interested in. So I created a course called Unleash Your Inner Amazon, which covered pretty much the same content and the same kinds of skills, but it was a totally different way of framing it. And and I mean ladies were like, yeah, I love that. I want to be an Amazon. I feel like an Amazon. So, you know, what you're saying about how things get framed and languaged is super important. So, I'm curious. Uh, I, I just want to kind of pop around the group now and give you all an opportunity to answer some different kinds of questions. Um, we don't have to have everybody talk. If you don't want to, that's fine. But uh, what do you think keeps women from going to a self defense class in the first place?
8: I think some of what we've all experienced that mostly men who are teaching it are not teaching what we need to know, like with, like with Kelly experience and also just having them telling us that what we're doing is wrong, like what I experienced when actually what we're doing is pretty right. We've you know lived and as women in society for a long time. we generally do most things pretty right and to have them say no that's wrong or that wasn't the way I would've de- done it therefore it's wrong is kind of disempowering. And I think most most women um, are afraid that's gonna happen. And a lot of times it does happen. And I, I think that's one of the main reasons. Thank you, Amy.
3: Um, I'll jump in there as well. This is Tammy. And I think there, I mean, there are probably a, a hundred explanations we could pitch around here and the, and they'll all have some validity ranging from how things are marketed to what Amy was just talking about and how things are content wise is delivered. And then how it's actually coached, and that that all of that feeds into problems and as far as people looking at it from the outside in and self selecting to participate and I think that if one of I, there are two things so one is the I'm an eye opener for me and that about I, almost two years ago now, maybe not long ago, sorry. COVID brain makes timelines very difficult to track these days. I had somebody reach out. She's actually does a tremendous amount of writing on the internet. Her name's Jacy Luther. And she's, hey, I would like to, um, I'll do all of the event-based part of it. Like I'll manage all the registration, but I'd like to do a self-defense course for women with zero physical, no physical. I was like, cool. Huh. Okay. really challenged my thinking because although obviously I'm a big proponent of the prevention and the awareness and working off of the intuitive skills that women have, they've already been using, like everybody's already talked about here. I have always taught at least a mixture of that information and the physical because I had an expectation that if it wasn't physical, people wouldn't come like that because that's the, the expectation. And What was fascinating about that workshop? We spent a whole day together, and we didn't do an ounce of physical because the women that she was inviting, the women that had reached out to her for this information, were largely women who were not going to be physically capable of doing a physical course. We had a couple of women. You know, some of us here are well over fifty, right in this group. But we had some women who were significantly older, even than that. People in their seventies. We had some women who were physically profoundly compromised and there's no way that they were going to be able to get up and move around. And women who just from a fitness level would have found the concept of a self-defense workshop being focused in physical as it normally is, particularly off-putting. So I learned a lot from that experience about maybe one of the reasons why women don't participate is that there's this expectation that it is only hitting, kicking and punching, and that it's going to be this and, I, and I'll caveat I do certainly coach and train once in a while this way, but that there's always gonna be a go, 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 hit, 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 punch, 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 kick, kick, kick. And at the end of that session, everybody's falling out. And for the women who wanna to self select to do that, they're going to anyway. And because they're drawn to that physical lifestyle and that physical challenge. And that has become the dominant expectation, I think, for women's self defense. And so that's one of the things that we're going to be challenged with is changing that narrative so that we can reach the folks who, like this group of women who came and hung out with
4: us for a day.
7: I'd raise my hand. Oh, sorry, the sun's coming in just right at the perfect time in my window here. To kind of piggyback on what Tammy said, because that's really what I've found is if they haven't already said, I feel comfortable being physical, so the hitting and the kicking, that stops them, and I think kind of like to what Tia had said earlier, the social conditioning is women are not are taught not to fight. So often we're kind, be gentle, be the nurturer, be be the caregiver, take care of everybody. Like don't hit, you know. That's don't be physical. Um, you know the right or wrong understanding. And I have two little boys, so part of me thinks it is nature, but they are just more rough and tumble. Whereas to me, I don't see little girls out there wrestling around necessarily. And so it's just not in our nature, but yet there's something in us that says we might have to fight someday, but it's still intimidating because it goes against all of our social conditioning. And then reaching women at a place where they don't feel like, oh, how am I, I have a million things going on. Especially now with COVID, I've got to homeschool my kids. I've got to try and maintain my full time job or figure this out or keep everything going. I don't have time. I know it's important, but it's easier to stick my head in the sand and pretend it'll never happen to me or hope it'll never happen to me because I don't. It seems so intimidating that I'm going to have to work out really hardcore for a long time to even get into good enough shape. And so starting them where they're at. And talking to them about their mama bear instincts and just using that on themselves, <laughs> you know, like they're in one of the books that was a prerequisite reading. Talked about there's literally a different neural pathway when it comes to the mama bear protection theory, but it's not there for ourselves. And that really struck me because I think that's what a lot of women. You say, well, wouldn't you do anything to protect your kids? And everyone's like, yes, I would do anything. But then when it comes to themselves, that they, they they don't think that way. So. I think this, com- this conversation needs to get out more and more to help those women who have fears, but feel like they're just going to stick their head in the sand and hope that it never happens to them to say, you don't have to live in that fear. You can learn things that you can do with your own strengths and abilities, no matter what your physical level is, no matter what you know, job you have or where you go or where you live. So I think that's an, a really important piece to this training.
0: Yeah, it is, and it's also leading me to another question, which is what is different about teaching a group of just women versus a mixed group? Who wants to take that one on? I
9: know um, I can just speak to the setting that I'm in in corrections, and when we do have a group of three women instructors in a group of mixed-gender officers, the women that are in that class, when they come to our station to work with us as females, they suddenly find that inner like, oh my god, I can do this. I have the ability to do this. Um, They're not scared to suddenly go hands-on. They're willing to like touch us and be a part of the class. They get excited. They're not as intimidated. Um, And I think that because we're saying these things worked for us. These things um, in real life have worked for us, makes them think that like, this isn't just for the boys anymore. I can do this too. And um, I think that that really boosts their ability and their self-esteem to say, okay, this is really cool that uh, in a group of women, we can really explore what works for us and we can do it. We can practice it and feel safe. We're not feeling like, we're trying to prove something to the men or we're trying to dumb it down and look feminine for the men. And we're really going to our full potential.
0: Interesting. Anybody else have some thoughts on that? Allison?
9: Yeah,
4: I would actually like to build on what um, Maggie just said, because that actually um, strikes a chord with me a lot. I feel like, again, and this is not just to like, you know, talk about all the reasons I love to prod. Tammy, but Tammy was like the first female instructor, not the first female instructor I had ever, you know, taken a class or seminar from, but the first female instructor I actually felt like I had permission to be all the things because she was all the things. And I don't think that you realize how much you need to see that mirrored in another woman and why, again, 500 Rising training is so amazing and important because when you see that, it almost like gives you that subliminal permission that yeah I can be all the things too I can come into my own and own my power I can also be feminine I don't have to act like a guy I don't have to pretend I'm six five you know I can be competitive Tammy was like the first person who like made me feel like I'm just really competitive by nature and she was like yeah that's cool harness that use that and I was like oh okay cool I feel like everyone's always trying to like get that out of oh you know don't bring that here and it's like no just channel it in a positive direction so you know, not to like get on a soapbox about it, but I just, I really think it's very important to see it. And whether it's a mixed gendered class or it's solely women to see a female in that training capacity, I think is is really important and helps women, especially women that are unsure about it or very early in their journey, feel like it gives them permission. Like, yes, I can do all these things. Like I can do the things.
0: Yes. Yeah. Cool. I think, Tammy, you look like you were hopping up and down a little bit there. Did you want to add to that or? No, no, Tammy's good. One of the things that is crossing my mind also is that for women who have already experienced some kind of um, sexual violence or trauma, it can be really hard to walk into a mixed gender class. In fact, it can be so difficult that they don't even bother doing it. I think that's one reason why having women-only classes is a great way to introduce women to the whole world of self-protection and then perhaps once they get a you know tap into that feeling of power and like i can actually do this i do have it within me um, then introduce men into the mix casey do you have some thoughts on that
5: i do i'm still kind of sub processing there and i see how the core of my eye lisa with two eyes is dislocating her shoulder trying to get your attention so if you let me uh let me think about it for a second i'm happily pass the mic
0: Okay. Let's go to Lisa first and then to Casey. There we go.
2: I was just going to kind of tap back to like what both Emmy had said and Allison of, um, I think you're more comfortable in an all women setting to be able to have that conversation of no, I am worth it. And um, Tammy did mention multiple times during the training to be mindful as people were setting up their courses that you might have women coming in that have these experiences or have had certain things happen to them and there was also the discussion of being mindful of those things as well so again you know if you've had someone put their hands on you that is a certain type of individual and they fit a certain type of build and now you're sitting next to that individual you're less likely to feel that empowerment in that kind of environment so I think in an It's also important to understand that that's probably who you're going to be coming up against, but understanding that you can still practice those in a safe space and feel confident about it. And, you know, she even brought up that you might be, people might be doing this with their friends or sisters or mom and daughter. And it's probably a little bit easier, too, in those scenarios to feel more comfortable when you're not seeing your daughter being paired up with beast mode in the corner who's, you know, going to train self-defense to everybody when you're like, wait a minute here, she's like 15. Can we like not do that? Because then mama bear might not pay attention to the information that would be important to her and focus too on now she's worried about her daughter is paired up with a guy that might be putting his hands on her and she's not sure if that's okay. So, I mean, there could be a couple different ways. So I think you kind of can maybe avoid that and again, bring it to a more um, broader group of people if you kind of channel it to the women's side
0: very true and that that's funny that you brought that up as an example lisa cuz um, my i have four kids two boys two girls and my older daughter charlotte when she tested for her first degree black belt i was testing for my second and i got to watch her she was going through her whole testing process and at one point she got partnered up for the grappling section of the test with a boy and it was just because there were uneven numbers of boys and girls. And I did have that mama bear moment of like, oh shit, like that's not right. Uh Uh-oh, I hope she's going to be okay. This shouldn't be happening. And then she and I talked about it before she actually had to work with him. And I was able to shift out of mama bear mode and be more of a coach and an encourager and say, hey, you know, I know you're the only girl that got paired up with a guy for the test. But you can do this and you're going to really show all the other girls that the things that you've been learning really do work when you've got a partner who's a guy who's bigger than you and heavier than you. And Charlotte, she was teeny weeny. She was one of those teeny weeny bean poles. And uh, it's funny because until you just mentioned that, I didn't realize that that caused me to sort of split my attention away because I got into that mama bear, you know, concern about my daughter mode. And I totally forgot about the fact that I was testing too. And, uh, you know, it's something I've had mother-daughter combos come to courses and I haven't actually paid much attention to that dynamic. So that's why I love having these conversations because I learn all kinds of crap by having conversations with people who have different experiences than I do. So, yay, learning moment for me during our, during our roundtable. <laughs> So, and Casey, I just want to say thank you for letting me know Lisa was jumping up and down because I actually didn't notice that she was doing contortions down there at the bottom of the screen. So (laughs) I would like to pass the uh, baton back to you and get your thoughts though. So can you jump in?
5: Sure. So just making sure I'm on the same page, we're talking about the benefits of training for women by women, correct?
0: Well, yes. And are there any differences to teaching women only versus mixed
5: groups? So, um, again, one of the reasons I was at this course is I've, I've never been privy to or led a women's only course so far, right? So I'm being at this, this class in June was the first time I was the, the token male. So uh, limited experience with that. But I guess pros and cons that I can see comparing to uh, what I've seen in the past is it almost seems like there's two distinct paths that bring people to here. And guys who have been running schools and guys who have uh, been teaching seminars for a while, you, you'll probably be able to uh, see this pattern, too. It, and we talked about a little bit in June, too, is you'll have your adventure sequence, right? And uh, they'll go and try it out. And even though uh, typically this type of training is very physical culture based, right? So uh, they're going to be brave. They're going to go into the stinky wrestling room with the, the giant dudes and they'll give it a shot. And uh, for most part, right, people that train in this type of thing tend to be decent human beings. And those adventure seekers, if they're if once the initial shock is over and they get to know these people, uh, they tend to have a pretty good time and they enjoy the training so much so that they act as, uh, I guess, guide paths for people that might not be adventure seekers. Right. So the same way that uh, introverts make friends is they made friends with one extrovert that kind of uh, adopted them and then brought them along to stuff. And so there's plenty of people uh, that this training would be very beneficial to. That The only reason they got any type of this training at all is because they are uh, clo- they have a close tie to an adventure seeker who is willing to do something scary, so that even though this is scary, uh, the the juice is worth the squeeze and brought their friends along. So I guess that's kind of the advantage of a mingled course. The advantage of a for women, by women course that I see is that there's plenty of people in the world that don't have adventure seekers in their lives, right? And uh, they're in that that kind of physical culture barrier of going into a wrestling room with a bunch of stinky dudes uh, might be enough to squash it so no other information gets in there. And that's where academic first, you know, uh not only academic, but the the software stuff first before the physical is real important. So by the time that you're prepared for physical, it's not nearly that scary. Also, I see the benefits, and I think Lisa with two eyes, not with two eyes, mentioned it uh before, is especially for not the adventure seeker group, but uh folks that don't want these things to happen or don't want these things to happen dot, dot, dot. Again, they're going into a place that simulates these things that dot, dot, dot happened before. Right? So the body types of the people that they're training with may be real similar to uh, negative memories, the actual physical positions or physical uh, situations or scenarios that they're put in may be triggering to the point where all they're hearing is the triggers or they're all they're dealing with their entire mo- inner monologue the whole time and so any new information is charlie brown's teacher so having not that body type in there can help get information through instead of charlie brown's teacher at least, at least for initial portions right so additional training can get stacked on top of that and again uh there there's going to be a point where the the bird has to leave the nest right and so but i think Uh, Not everyone has an adventure seeker to bring them into these things and having for women by women as a means to minimize the external scary factors of it so that people are willing to step into the door and one, and two, if they are willing to step into the door, the information actually gets in and they're not just tied into their uh, inner monologue by external stimulus that simulates what they never want to have happen again.
0: That's a great, very broad, but also very detailed uh, picture of some pretty important elements of, you know, why it is really beneficial to have a women-only space. You know, it's not that it's the only way that women can learn, but it certainly does open up some avenues and pathways that otherwise uh, women wouldn't necessarily find or take. So, yeah, that's, that's a great set of insights there. Thank you, Casey. I want to shift gears just a minute and ask you just to share what you found to be the most challenging part of the training. And if nobody volunteers, I'm going to pick. (laughs) How about Tia?
6: Such a good question. Um, There was so much content over those days. I'm trying to think back. You know, we kept bringing it back to that 85% um, the, the typical situations that a woman is most likely to encounter a girl. And I think what was challenging for me is that the the age range that I really would like to reach is that like 15 to 21, um, kind of before they need it. And yet hearing about kind of this horrible world of like the people who, you know, who are supposed to be safe or the people who don't seem like a threat are potentially the biggest threats to you how to translate that to a 15-year-old. And I still haven't quite figured that out because you, you want to make sure that they're armed with knowledge, but you don't want to scare them away. And so I think I'm still kind of playing around with that, um, trying to think how to use all the information to, to really make sure these girls have the skills they need.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've taught kids classes and that's really the difficult part is like how do you how do you give them something that will be useful without scaring the crap out of them about things that are not age appropriate for them? I don't know how many of my podcast episodes you've listened to, but I did do one on teen dating violence not too long ago and it was very hard to do because I realized that I didn't teach any of what I was talking about to my daughters when they were teenagers. And so, yeah, that's, that's really a very important aspect of, of how do you figure out, how do you take this knowledge and then turn it around and share it with people in a way that will really help. What, what other things were challenging about the training? Maggie? So
9: the, the question that you had asked, the first thing that came up to my mind when I'm interacting with people in the community who just don't quite know if they're ready for it all is going back to the first time I did self-defense class and thinking, I'm scared too. I'm super scared. And it's okay to feel that way. And it's our hope to provide a safe place where you can experience, where you can learn, where you can make mistakes because we only get better by failing. And um, to keep trying on these new tools in a safe environment alongside people who will support you through that process. And it is okay to feel all the different feels <laughs> you feel.
0: No, oh, that's awesome and such a testament to the safe space that Tammy was able to create for this to happen in. It's cool. Anybody else want to talk about what was challenging? Kelly,
7: you know, I was struggling with that too because I was the question cuz I'm like the challenge was that I wanted more time, but listening to Emmy talk, it really when we were going through the online training portions, the videos, there was a lot of personal gunk of, of things I've dealt with in my life that surfaced like, wow, okay, that kind of makes a couple foggy points that I would never had never been able to put together before click and make sense to me. And it's kind of icky because you're like, oh, I dealt with that before. I put that in my past, you know, that negative experience. And now all of a sudden it's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you really didn't. You just buried it. And so while that was tough to go through, but then at the same time, I'm like, okay, well, this is exactly what I'm like learning in real life. I'm. This is exactly what somebody coming to a class might go through. So now I know exactly what it feels like and I could pick up on that. You know, so if I could send somebody all of a sudden struggling with something, then I know to be curious and, and to maybe spend a little more time or to... Pay attention to that and understand that everyone's going to have things that, you know, they come in expecting this and this and this from the training. And then maybe they're going to have something that opens their eyes and they're going to have a lot of questions. And, you know, there's one thing in the training is that the responsibility to and the responsibility for difference and right now on the top of my head, I'm like, I'm going to probably screw this up. So Tammy, if I switch it around, but we have like, I think of it with my kids, I have a responsibility for my kids, right? Okay, good. <laughs> and, but as do stu- as instructors, we have a responsibility to our students. So we can't take on their stuff. So it's, that's again, why this training to me is just groundbreaking. It is groundbreaking because it's, it's all those things that don't get talked about. Don't get discussed is, as women, we are caregivers. So we might want to help that student in the class and go deeper with them and, and really dig deeper into it. And that's not our job necessarily. So being able to distinguish that and stay true, we want to help them, but you also can't take on their stuff because they might need different um, avenues to explore, to you know, go down that road and deal with it. So to me, again, I think that's where you're not going to get that in a... In a typical self-defense class. And so that's another thing that makes this such a good uh, training or a good instructor's course is because you are going to get faced with that. And now you're going to say, okay, now how do I deal with that?
0: Oh, yeah. Excellent insight. Thank you, Kelly. Anybody else want to talk about what was challenging?
5: Casey? We talked about it a little bit real time when we were doing this, but again, again, a unique perspective, uh, being in the only fellow there, and it gets back to what uh, Tia was talking about. For this course to be worthwhile, it has to it has to touch with some dark material, right? And how do you prepare young women for dark material? right? It, you know it's it's a difficult conversation uh, to have, right? And it's a difficult setup, however necessary. Right? So you want them to be prepared for this, but you don't want to. Make them overly afraid of the world. Along those lines, that dark material has to be trained, right? And we talked about this with the kind of like the red cell setup uh for the training there. In order to learn how to get out of shitty situations, sometimes you have to fight your way out of those shitty situations, right? And so your partner or the token male is going to have to put you in these uh, shitty situations and uh, that's that's a hard hat to uh have to put on and so we kind of talked about it in the course too that you can uh that we as instructors can help make that easier by addressing it directly ahead of time and i get a red cell i get all uh tactical uh myself but the, the whole idea of a red cell is a group splinters off to test the weaknesses of the whole unit right so uh if we had a military base, we would uh, task these five guys to see if they can break in. Uh, if they can break in, well, cool. Now we know uh, how they did it and we can defend against that. But those guys have to play the role of a terror cell. These guys, they have to play the, the role. And eventually someone's going to have to play the role of someone that's trying to do horrible things in order to protect yourself against someone who's trying to do horrible things. That was uh, the most difficult part for me. I think it was made easier having that conversation ahead of time.
0: Yes, you're making me think about the scenario based training that we do and how important it is to not just jump right into running scenarios, uh, but how important it is to actually do those scenarios. And one of the major instructions to my role players is always, and this is what I tell the ladies in my courses, is like the role player is not going to just let you win. You know, he's not going to just. Stop attacking you if you give him a couple light smacks. He's going to persist until you do something that has enough impact that he would realistically disengage or he would be injured or something. And it's that's a really hard mindset shift for the women to get past is like, oh, like I need to keep going until I do something that actually has an effect. And it's also tricky for the role player. But it's so important because if the role player just kind of gives it to them and and then they don't ever actually have that experience that you're talking about of going through that dark space and discovering within themselves the capacity to get through it and to succeed.
5: Yeah. And the role player doesn't want, you know, so now you go to lunch afterwards and the role player doesn't want to get sideways looks because, well, why is Casey so good at raping people? How many reps does Casey have uh, dragging people by their ankles across the, the room? You know, like. (laughs) <laughs> there's there's no nice way to say that.
10: In the real world, zero.
5: Yes. Yeah, I can just simply say zero, zero actual rent.
0: <laughs> Anybody else have anything to share about what was really challenging? I'll go. Lisa Abbott here. Um, we did have to go through
10: a whole bunch of material, reading and the pre-class online stuff. And so my challenge is just putting it all together in a package. That's, you know, not a week long <laughs> in, in teaching and that's just come concise, precise that people want to take in. But then the other challenge is how do you get those people in? Um, just just like we've been talking earlier on, how do you get these people on the floor that that really need this stuff? It's like leading a horse to water. You know, you can't make them drink. But just so much information, so much great information. and getting it all down to a nice package to get out there. That's the challenge for me.
0: Yes, that is one I am familiar with too. It's that it's when you go as a student and you learn so much and you know that you're going to turn around and then be an instructor and provide an experience to students, like number one, you don't want to teach them the same way that you learned because they're not going to go out and be instructors unless they're in a program that's an instructor development program. Um, And number two, it's just like when you come away from a training like this that is so deep and so wide and covers so much, you can't turn around and do what you want, which is like, I got all the things. I'm going to share all my cool things with you, right? (laughs) And it's such a difficult thing to figure out, okay, what can I teach now to this group? And what's the thing that's going to be most beneficial to this particular set of people? So, it is an ongoing challenge to figure that out um, because we're all so passionate about this and it feels like such a crime to have knowledge that we don't actually share, but piecing it out into smaller parcels that then people can consume is really, really tricky. So, thank you for, for tapping into that because that is a perennial challenge, I think, for those of us that go as students to instructor development courses and then want to turn around and share everything that we've learned. So I, I have to ask, nobody has brought up the subject of doing teachbacks and (laughs) Allison's like me, I was going to, yeah, I, for me, that would have been probably one of the most challenging parts because I love doing them and I'm always absolutely terrified doing them. So Allison, what, what were your thoughts on that? I
4: I was going to say that I think um, the scariest part of like the, the, Training um, is, I think, is always teaching, right? Just because you can do something well doesn't mean that you can teach it. So I think that getting up in front of people, and uh, you know, sometimes it's even worse if it's people you know, and the actual teaching is much more difficult than the material or their content itself. So you know that said, I think everybody who comes to a training like this and is passionate wants to push themselves outside of their comfort zone, right? They're signing up for that they they want to because they know the reward on the other side of that is always better. They always become better and you know discover that part of themselves. But as somebody who teaches regularly, um, I'll see video, especially during the pandemic. We've been doing a lot of stuff over Zoom, so I've had a lot of opportunity to see myself recorded you know, more so than in the past. And it is eye opening. And so, you know, I think that that's something that we always need to be working through. And there isn't a lot of forums for that. So that was actually like something that I'm glad that you brought it up because I just think that's such an important point about 500 Rising for anybody who, you know, is listening and and interested is that, yes, the material is incredible for people that wouldn't be interested in teaching but it is really amazing for people that are interested in teaching because there isn't a ton of places to, to go for that, where you can work through the material, but then also working through how to deliver it. Like, you know, I know Tammy is going to be working on, she's going to kill me. Um, and she's going to be working on like a piece about how to do your own, like, how do you do storytelling? That's actually like really difficult. Like, how do you know how to use your stories or like, if it's, if I want to tell a story Casey told, like, how do I do that? And and like, do I emulate Casey? You know, all those things. So I could go on and on about it, but I think that the teach back piece is, is really intimidating, um, but amazing when you can take that challenge on.
0: That's awesome. Did you feel like you got great constructive feedback and stuff that you could walk away and actually use when you did the teach backs?
4: I know like one of the best things about, you know, uh, People like you know Tammy and Casey is that I can ask them for you feedback and they're going to give me stuff that you know they know is going to keep me voted, motivated and be helpful and be good for for me. So I mean I think that that stuff is always really valuable. You know I don't know how everybody else felt about their their own um, situations, but I think that it it felt to me and I, you know again I, I had a bit of a different perspective during the course that everybody felt at least you know safe. They are in a safe environment where they could do that, where, you know, safe emotionally, you know, to and intellectually to try to work through that stuff. And that the people in attendance, just everybody was there to be better and really was cheering on and wanted everybody else to do well, too. Um, you know, so I don't know how other people felt about that, but I feel like everybody felt very supported. You know, and I know I feel in this community in general here, the small community feeling very supported.
5: If I could follow up on that. Two of my favorite things that I saw through the whole course happened on the teach back day. It kind of happened like right around the teachbacks, backs. And uh, just like Allison was saying, like it can be really intimidating, especially for a lot of folks. This was like their first instructor level course. So this might be the first time they're ever doing uh, teach backs. And uh, one of the coolest things that I saw is whenever anyone started to struggle or you could kind of tell they're losing their spot a little bit or getting nervous a little bit uh everyone else picked up and asked like super friendly questions right so like hey what about you know and they and like oh and then the person would just go off like on an organic rant like they've been teaching this class for the last 30 years and it was really cool and so that happened organically but then specifically afterwards it was it was brought up that like that's kind of the core what the 500 rising is right and again feel free to mute me at any time as the, uh, the, the token male here, but I have a unique male perspective on this. And I've, I've been following this path for a while. And unfortunately, in a stereotype, right? So uh, You'll see uh, in, in women's self-defense, uh, someone get to a certain level or a certain name recognition. And then instead of raising other people up uh, to get that information out to the people that need it the most, uh, self-interest happens, and I want to be the only name that's putting this out, and I'm going to squash other folks. And that's 180-degree antithetical to what we're doing here with 500. And it was stated specifically that, that that's not going to be tolerated here. And it was really cool to see it happen organically. That uh, yeah, uh, a rising tide lifts all ships, and we're going to help everybody out. And uh, if we're going to build this army, right, uh, we need to we need to get this information out to as many people as we can. And we need to bring as many people in who are willing to put this work in to do that. And that so those are my two favorite things that I saw and just ha- kind of happened right at the same time there.
0: Oh, that's really cool. That's great. Uh, Tammy, did you want to add anything you know, from your perspective about the, the teach-back process and, and why you wanted to do that and what you saw come out of it? For me,
3: in some ways, that is one of the cha- challenging pieces of the course. When you're talking about like what was most challenging, I'm like, I had a whole list of things, but my, I have a different perspective in, in the way I came into this from everybody else. So I, I had early on experiences and my own instructor development that were particularly instrumental in helping me get better. And I had an instructor early on in my process of becoming an instructor who didn't have a lot of English. And So he had to really parse down how he was going to provide feedback, and he said, in his broken English, he said, "You know, when you feedback, it's supposed to be a sandwich. So you have the you have bread, and you have cheese, and then you have bread. Like here's the good, and then here's the yeah, not so good, and then there's the more good to make you feel good at the end." And he said, "I do not have time for bread only cheese." And, and that was mostly probably also, he didn't have the language to hit all of that. Right. So all of this stuff. And, and I kind of teed everybody else up in, in this training that we were going to approach it from that perspective as well, because I found it instrumental and helpful and valuable. And that is actually also challenging for me to, I, I would prefer, and they did get some bread because I, I don't, I'm not good at just like, these are, these are all the things you need to fix now sit down and shut up and go away. That's not, I don't find that overwhelmingly useful. But I think that the value of the experience of being able to work on the material real time and deliver and, and stand up and provide some information and have the experience of a group of people around you, are both, but pulling for you the perspective of we're just here to like blow smoke over up everybody's skirts. We're here to help. Everybody wants to be better. And so we're going to all be collectively pulling for one another in that way, which is where Casey was talking about those kind instrumental questions when somebody was really struggling. They're like, okay, I'm going to throw you a bone. So, but not because we feel bad for you, but because we know there's a capacity in there for you to really shine. We can just get you past that moment of, doing that moment of, of anxiety and doing the teachbacks because frankly, that's one of the worst places to teach is in front of your peers. And and I know that I knew that going in. So it was like, oh, you guys are going to kill me. I know you're going to hate this, but this is so important.
0: That's great. I'm glad that you shared that because I have had the experience of uh, being in a teach back situation and being absolutely terrified and not being in a particularly supportive, encouraging group. Um, So I can just totally relate to how wonderful it would feel because the point of the exercise is not to find reasons to fail you or reasons to say you're not good enough. The point of the exercise is to help you improve as an instructor and a coach. And so, you know, putting people in a position where they feel like they're failing does the exact opposite of that. And I mean, the whole thing of like, this is how women like to learn together too. Like we like to collaborate and support each other. This is why being in a women-only space is so wonderful. If you're learning something new and you're taking risks and you're getting outside your comfort zone. So. Yeah, hundred percent. Gets me all like goosebumpy just thinking about it. So. <laughs> well, we have been on for almost an hour and a half which is hard to believe. It's been an absolute blast. I would like to just ask one more question and then I just want to let our listeners know that I will have in the show notes all of the contact information and resources that uh, belong to all you guys so that when people want to get in touch with you, they can. And of course, all the information about 500 Rising 2. So I, I guess I would like to wrap it up with... What would be the one thing that you would say to a woman if she wants to do something to become safer, but she doesn't quite know what to do and maybe can't even go to an in-person class right now? Like are there resources, or is there some advice that you would give to a woman who wants to take a step to improve her self-protection ability or her ability to keep her family and her loved ones safe? What would you say? So we could start with Amy, and we'll just go around the room.
8: What I usually say to to women who uh, who ask me these questions is, um, trust your intuition always trust your intuition not only with situational awareness and to keep your help keep yourself safe but also in dealing with people you, you know what's up when you get that that feeling that something's not quite right listen to it but also if you have to go hands-on trust your intuition in the fight that you can do it and one, one thing that a lot of women say to me is they they're, they don't want to go too far in a fight, they don't want to accidentally hurt somebody more than they absolutely have to and I try to reassure them that you won't. Um, you need to trust your intuition when you're in in that moment in the fight that your, um, your ethics are intact, your morals are intact and you will respond appropriately and don't worry about hurting them too much Trust your instinct that you, you will act appropriately, both that, both that you can do it and defend yourself and that you won't go too far and uh, get in trouble with the law or anything else that a lot of women are really scared about. Trust your intuition on all aspects, situational awareness, dealing with people, and if God forbid, you have to go hands-on.
0: Oh, awesome. Thank you, Amy. Maggie, how about you?
9: After doing so much different training, um, in the corrections field and a little bit outside, I was intimidated in the sense that I had to let go of my own stuff. Um, I've gone to a, some trainings where I've walked away broken, like my body is sore for days, or I was ridiculed because I did something bad and I wasn't supported through that process. And so for me, just to let go of some of those negative things that had happened in the past, And be open to just sitting back, taking it all in and learning Um, in my type A personality is really hard to do. But the moment I did it and I just was like, I'm here with a group of people. They are, some of them are crazy trainers. Some of them are kind of just touching their waters into this whole self-defense thing and feeling just like, wow, if I let go of my stuff, I'm going to walk away better, stronger, stronger and just more empowered. That was so hard, but it was such a blessing to experience it once I did let go. It was cool.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you. Lisa Carter.
9: So I guess my
2: kind of aspect of what would you tell someone, um, would, you know, my first response I think would be kind of like, it's great that you're reaching out and give them that extra push of, Because um, to kind of say what Maggie said, like it's scary and people get scared. And if they're at a point where they're thinking they need to reach out for something, if there's something in their background or they're worried about something going to happen, um, they're not sure what that's going to feel like. um, And just reinforce that. And especially in this day and age, you know, sharing the resources that are online is a lot less scary than giving someone the resources that they can find and you know how to find reputable resources and what that looks like Um, whether it's this group or the violence dynamics group or um, you know the other trainings that are out there or the books that are out there um, we kind of we've um, well the gals have put together a list of all the books there are just giving that little here's something and then you know figuring out where they want to go from there would be my recommendation if You know, they're not sure about going into somewhere, but giving them that little bit of, you know, here's here's some breadcrumbs of where you can follow and see, you know, if they can take it that much further.
0: Oh, that's that's great. I'm glad that you went there for a couple of reasons. Uh, One is, you know, on my website, I have a resource page that has a whole bunch of the books that I recommend to people so that you can just go one place and find them all. And also online courses. I mean, those are things that I'm. I have a couple coming out. Um, Coach Blower has a bunch of great online co- courses. There are several members of this group have Patreons or have YouTube channels where there's some great information that you can get for very very low cost. And it, you're right, it is like those little breadcrumbs and the things that you can do in a in a non-threatening environment where you don't even have to leave your home. So thank you for for reminding me that those were also great, great first steps. Lisa Abbott. Unmute.
10: Basically, I, I when people ask about that stuff, I tell them, you, you have a lot of the stuff necessary to keep safe. You know, those cues, the, the intuition, like Amy talked about. Um, it's all there. You've done many, many things up to this point to keep yourself safe that you haven't even considered to be self-defense and so just building upon that taking note of that and going from there and then finding somebody who is reputable in teaching and it's not just you know the knowledge they have but how does the place feel is it a good place to be to be hanging out as you know I've, I've gone into gyms I guess a jiu-jitsu place and asked about hang, hanging out there and maybe doing some classes and just to feel from the person owning the gym, um, one, I wasn't the demographics. Two, I wasn't the age group. And they weren't really interested in training somebody like me, which was fine. I wasn't interested in being there as well. But get a feel for the gym. And you'll know right away with your intuition if it's a place that's going to be something that's going to be positive for you to work at. Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's hard. Especially if it's in a traditional martial arts, sometimes you're just kind of stifled because, you know, that's just not the way that traditional arts work. And yeah, there are several good online things that are happening now and a lot more resources as far as things to read and, and the, uh, the psychological and emotional stuff towards learning about violence and learning about
7: how to handle yourself in these things. Great. Thank you, Lisa. Kelly, how about you? To second, what Lisa said too, is if you're starting the conversation, if you're even asking, like kudos, you know, kudos to you to, to asking because that can be scary in itself. Um, but I guess my first thing would be to ask them, what do you feel comfortable doing? You know, asking and figuring out where are they? Have they taken a class and it was a bad experience? Or are they first time moms, you know? And so they've all of a sudden their fear... Is really really high because now they have their hands full with the diaper bag and a baby carrier, and what do I got to do? And it, you know, and now it's my whole life's changed, and routines change. So really, I guess my my first suggestion would actually be a question um, to really gauge where they're at, and then again, the breadcrumbs of just saying, okay, well, you know, here's one thing you can start practicing, and and it could be a simple mind game like. You know, um, how much can you recall from, you just left a coffee shop or (laughs) when you could go to coffee shops on a regular basis, you just left how, how many people were there and mastering your memorization or one thing that you recognize about everyone, but really trying to make it something that they don't need a special tool or they don't need a special class to even start doing. They could walk away and start practicing it that moment.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Kelly. Casey, how about you?
5: I think uh, my neck's getting sore from nodding in agreement with everybody. So if I can just, I guess, paraphrase how it makes sense to me is, so if this person is interested in getting this information but may not have the time or opportunity to train, I think you look at how you get the most bang for the buck, right? So I think I would start with academic information, working then onto the processor, right? Then working on like the psychological aspects and finding your own glitches, and then finally physical stuff. And so to get that information in, you know, people said it already about the things that are available on the internet, but there's a shameless self-plug here. I know that uh, Tammy's put a ton of work into having uh, solid information on the, the 500 Rays uh, Rising page. And I guess just get the ball rolling like, hey, you know, uh, go check this out. There's, uh, and it's, it's a rabbit hole, right? So once you start reading, there's a link to this other thing that's really interesting and a link to this thing that's really interesting and maybe you, you see the world in just a little bit, uh, a different thing. And then you start working on, uh, your own, how your brain is wired, right? You look at, you take into uh, account, uh, the social conditioning that you may be under. And just those two things that you can do on your own time, on your own dime has the highest potential to, uh, to protect you from crime. Right. And then, uh, After that, if you want to do some physical stuff and you find time in your schedule, cool. But uh, if you're going to do, uh, you know, minimum effort, maximum results, right? If you're going to, if you only have so much time, just this academic information and looking how your brain's wired and just looking at your own responses to violence and using the resources that people have been down this road before have like, hey, I think this is important. Take a look at this. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't recommend the the 500 Rising uh, website harder than I can. Cool. Thank you. Tia?
0: Well, I think
6: it's our job to listen to women and girls and see what those barriers are. Why are they hesitating to join? And sometimes it's just logistical. I know that a lot of these self-defense programs are really expensive. I know a lot of people here right now are um, looking at doing free events or have already been doing free events or low cost, but you know, the really good training is really expensive and that's probably turned away people in the past. And the free training is really a variable quality. So I think really figuring out number one, what are the barriers? And then also finding out, you know, what would what would help with these barriers? So sometimes if it's, you know, they're like Casey was talking about, they're uncomfortable being around men. can We create women's women only programming. And I think if someone is not willing to take that next step to participate. The advice I have is build really strong relationships. Uh, You know, you want that good support network in your life because that's going to always be there for you. And then practice predicting other people's behaviors when you're out and about. Um, Just a fun game. And as you start to note and see if you can predict what they're going to do, that's going to help sharpen your intuition so that um, number one, hopefully that will help you if you're ever in a self-defense situation. But two, it might start to make you feel a little more confident to start joining in on these self-defense
0: trainings. Awesome. Thank you. Allison.
4: Yeah, similarly to Casey. I've been like nodding along the whole time. So I think to not paraphrase things that everybody's already said, two things came into my mind um, for people that, you know, have expressed that interest, but you know, are maybe kind of like on the edge of whether or not to pursue some sort of training, whether it's, you know, academic or physical or a combination of both is, you mentioned, you know, in the, in especially now, right in the time of COVID, I actually think that this is a great example of how to find an area of your life where you can actually have more autonomy, like have more personal agency, an area where you can control things, right? So or a lot of us are feeling out of control right now or a loss of control of things around us in our, in our greater universe. So being able to practice things in your control, like whether it's conflict communication style, whether it's um, setting boundaries, small and large, like all of those things have a much bigger role um, in your everyday life beyond just like possible, you know, situations of, you know, actual conflict or violence. So I would, I would really like, You know, encourage people to explore that piece because I think it has a lot of value right now. And then um, a secondary thing is, I think sometimes it's not talked about early on in, you know, when people are inquisitive about training and and self defense and belonging to networks and stuff is the ancillary benefits of training. I think that we talk a lot about different ways of self, you know, self care is a hot thing right now and, um, you know, personal development. I can't think of a better self care pursuit, than pursuing, you know, self-defense, personal agency, personal autonomy, like the confidence, the empowerment that so many women, I feel like leave trainings, whether it's one time, one weekend, three years into their training, 10 years later, you know, it's, it's almost limitless, like how much you can grow and develop as a person. And I know, The very best women I have ever met in my life, honestly, I feel like have come from training. Like, I I mean, I look around this Zoom room right here. This is the most amazing collection of women and Casey. And I think that, like, I would also really um, encourage people, uh, you know, to think about that too the types of people that you will meet. And I think actually goes back to what Tia said like, a network that you can build, a support tribe that's like, you can't put a value on it. So,
0: those are two things I would just add. Oh, those are great. Very powerful components. Thank you, Allison. Tammy, I'm going to turn it over to you.
3: Uh, what I want to say is just what everybody just said. <laughs> I, I, did, everybody's talking now about like, we're just getting our next, a good workout because we're nodding in concurrence with what everyone is saying within the community and the conversation. And I can't reiterate that enough. And And so thinking about, pulling out and maybe looking at this from a, a more global perspective is that the, the whole question and conversation about self-defense in the first place anchors into this unfortunate and powerful message that lives in at least in western cultures and many other cultures as well where we are the sorry i'm pausing because my uh, my internet connection, I think, is starting to get a little dicey. So, why when when my video fell out? I apologize for that. I was going to try and bring that back up, but it doesn't seem to want to. So, the, I think that the this very large conversation that happens in or narrative that's taking place in Western society and other societies as well is starting to look at the balancing out the powerful differential in expectation of where women can be. And in in work, in life, in general, across the board, and and that's beginning to shift at a at a. Uh, At an academic level, maybe is the best way to say it. But on the boots on the ground level, we're still we still see that there's a giant question mark for a lot of women and a lot of young women in as to how much space are they actually allowed to take up on the planet? And that that's that's the starting point of all of this. And then it also becomes the ending point in a way. And that this the the first the first response that I have to somebody who says, how do I begin this process? It's to own that you get to take up space on the planet. That's a just is, and it it flies in the face of a great deal of what's taught subconsciously in culture. And then circling back around, once they've found you know found a way to get past the barriers and found a way to get into the training experience, is that that just then confirms you actually do take up space on the planet and you have a right to that. And so I think that's the sort of the alpha and the omega of the conversation goes back to that and and I, one of the reasons why that's such a anchor for me in this whole conversation with 500 rising goes back to a statistic that i ran across and now granted this is old in the sense that it was i it was brought up through the un's uh, focus on women their, their organi- the un women organization and I, now i have to i'm not going to say when the stat was pulled out because i'm going to be wrong memory's going to not serve me on that but The statistic out of the research that came across social research, anthropological research, medical research, everything they pulled everything and came up with this reality that, based on survivability of, of babies and and infants in utero and aging ages of maturity and blah 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 and all of that genetically, there should be a certain number of females on the face of the planet, and based on that, we were short by about 60 million. And because just because of what it should be. And, and that was very like, that struck me and it has, has stayed with me across time. And that we're, if we're going to change the conversation about violence against women, we have to start with, hi, you get to be here. (laughs) Like that's the starting point. And so that was my taking what everybody else has said. That's my initial conversation with somebody is, you know, let's start with you get to be here.
0: I love that. You get to be here. And then the next step is, and you are worth defending. 100%. Yeah. Well, this has been such a blast. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming on the show today because through all of your different perspectives, you've shared a vast amount of insight and information that is really important. And you know, Tammy, you're talking about changing the conversation about violence against women. And I think one big piece of that is changing the conversation about who is teaching women how to cope with violence against women. And uh, this 500 Rising mission and program is really leading the way. And I am so impressed with what this first training event turned out to be. I'm bummed that I didn't get to go, but, you know, puppy surgery happens when it happens. And (laughs) I have a puppy that is functional now, which is great, but uh, I will be there at the next training. And I just want to say thank you to all of you, you know, not just for participating in the call, but for making the commitment that you did to become part of the 500 Rising movement and to turn around then and go back out into your communities and make a hell of an impact. So with that, I'm going to say this is the Born to be a Badass podcast. Stay safe and be a badass.
2: You've been listening to the Born to be a Badass podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and be sure to share it with your friends. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and a review. Tune in regularly for more exciting insights and wisdom on women, violence, and safety. And until next time, embrace your inner badass.